Hello, everybody. Um, happy Father's Day. To start, um, in honour of Father's Day, I just wanted to share a photo of me and my dad back in the day. It's going to come up. There we are. This was um, on holiday in Salou after a busy night of karaoke in. And um, there's only so much Britney Spears you can sing before you need a nap, right? Um, I am a naturally shy person and I find it quite difficult to just walk up to people and talk to them. So me being here today is particularly special and when we were on holiday, um, particularly when I was younger, like in that photo, um, my dad would actually have to approach children my age to ask them if they would be my friend because I was just way too shy to do it myself. Um, so I would have never have imagined being able to stand here and speak to you all today. God has led me on a journey filled with baby steps that at the time felt like gigantic leaps of faith. Um, so a couple of years ago, Elijah approached me and asked me to be part of the horse team, which requires you to get up on a Sunday morning and do what Lauren has so wonderfully done this morning. And I was terrified. <laughs> but um, unbeknown to Elijah, just before he asked me, I had actually prayed to God that um, I would start being more bold and step out more. Um, and say yes more to him so even though I felt scared and even though I thought that I would be terrible at it I said yes and at the time Elijah commented that um, one day I would be up preaching and I think my exact words were not a chance but there we go God had other plans um, about a year ago we were planning our women's event which a few of you will um, know about we talk about it and I was praying about speakers and felt God say that I should speak um, my initial thought was no, but um, I prayed again that I'd say yes if it was confirmed by somebody else. And at our next women's meeting, Lauren confirmed it by suggesting that I should speak, to which I had to admit to the prayer I'd prayed and follow up on my promise to say yes. So last November, I spoke for the first time at the natural event. And then earlier this year, for the first... <laughs> just get rid of the... <laughs> um, Earlier this year in a church service, I felt that nudge again that God was um, asking me to speak in church and I didn't feel good enough to do that. And again, I just prayed again that I'd say yes if it was confirmed by somebody else, um, which I was pretty confident that wouldn't happen. But over the next week, my name appeared on the preaching rotor um, and Elijah asked me to do this talk. For such a long time, I've really struggled with feeling not good enough. Um, it's what filled me with so much fear each time that I've been asked to speak. And it's what has stopped me from calling this talk a preach. And it's what made me unable to approach those other children when I was younger and ask them to play. But then I open this book here, this Bible, and I read about people who may have classed themselves as or been seen as not good enough. Murderers, liars, cheats, prostitutes. People who weren't the obvious choice, yet God chose to use them in his plan. And the only requirement was that they said yes. So, what does your yes moment look like to you? Maybe it's committing to pray regularly for somebody, um, check in on them and show love and support to them. Or maybe it's sharing your faith with non-Christian friends and inviting them to church. Maybe it's saying yes to Jesus and being part of this life and journey with him. Or maybe it's offering your time and skills to a team here at church. So about a year and a half ago, um, I had a, a bad experience and I just felt like I needed time to just stop and breathe. And so I stepped down from my role here as a youth worker. 
Um, it's what I felt like I needed at the time. And um, it was for the first time in a long time I wasn't on team every Sunday, so I was able to sit in the service and listen. Um, but I actually found myself a lot of those times sitting by myself. And um, I just started to feel like I didn't want to be here, honestly. I used to pull up um, in the car outside and dread coming into the building. Um, and in a room full of people, I just felt really lonely. Um, I'm not putting blame on anyone for that, and I actually think that God allowed me to feel that so that I could have some sympathy and um, be more sensitive to how some people sometimes feel in, in a room full of people and in church. But I started to recognise how I was feeling and um, began to realise that I needed to be more involved again, to be a part of church and not just show up on a Sunday. So I joined the welcome team and I began organising more events with the women's team that I run. Um, my heart became passionate about making people feel like they belong and to be an encourager. So what if your yes looked like sitting in a different seat on a Sunday morning? I know that we can be creatures of habit and just like the same things, but what if that small step of obedience enabled you to sit next to somebody new, somebody that you maybe don't talk to on a Sunday morning? Um, maybe you can make that person feel welcomed, feel like they belong and feel less lonely. My dream would be that there isn't a specific welcome team where there's only two people that are required to say hello to everyone and make all the refreshments and clean up afterwards, but that we as a church family make up the welcome team so that nobody feels lonely and everyone feels like they belong in this community. So what are you passionate about? And what is God putting on your heart and nudging you about? And what is stopping you from saying yes? When I thought about that question, I thought the biggest thing that probably stops me is is fear. And research shows that we as humans were born with two fears, fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. So if you pretend to drop a baby, they'll jump. And if you do a loud noise, they'll jump. Um, Every other fear that is formed from our experiences, culture and outward influences. So I thought I'd make you a list of some of my fears. Um, I thought about 10, but I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, And these are in no particular order, but I thought it was important that I definitely started with this one, which is spiders. Um, It's actually really embarrassing, my reaction to spiders. And my boyfriend, Scott, will tell you that he often um, comes around to my flat and is greeted with, Hi, you need to come and save me. To which he very humanely gets rid of the spiders that have taken up residence in my home. However, when he's not around, I have to muster up bravery to get rid of them myself, but my way is a lot less humane and obviously often requires a shoe and a lot of tears. (laughs) Second on my list is snakes, which luckily I don't come into contact with much. And then sharks, which again, don't tend to see, but um, it did make me wary of getting in the sea and um, did make me cover my eyes when we had to watch Jaws in English class. So it's a bit bit more about me that you didn't know. Um, Then there's horror movies, which I don't understand how anybody can watch them. And then this next one might sound a little bit strange, but some of you might relate. Um, Putting your hand into unknown washing up water. And that one one is definitely formed from the youth group days. (laughs) The rest of the list are fears that make me want to say no instead of yes. So I have a fear of rejection a fear of not being good enough, a fear of being wrong, a fear of losing someone that I love, 
and a fear of confrontation. Now, not all fear is bad. If I had no fear of sharks and decided to jump into shark-infested water, then I would probably die. Some fears are an awareness of danger and um, enable us to, keep, to stay safe. However, other fears can be unnecessary, and instead of protecting us, they actually damage us. Are you letting your fears stop you or control you, or are you stepping out in obedience despite your fears? Another reason I think we often say no instead of yes is when we compare ourselves to others. It's what plays on my mind when I speak. Um, I think about all the great speakers that I've seen and how much more confident they seem or how much more educated and trained they are to do this. There's a speaker and author from America called Rachel Hollis, and if you know me, I bang on about her all the time because I really admire her. Um, And in one of her books, she says, are you humble enough to suck at something for for as long as it takes to get better? She talks about how anything new that you try is learned and improved over time, that we're probably not going to be amazing at something the first time we try, and we can't compare our beginning to somebody else's middle. We need to stop letting our fears stop us from even trying. Making a right mess here, aren't I? <laughs> um, I started ballroom and Latin dancing this year, and it's taught me a lot about myself, mainly that I struggle with perfectionism. This also really clashes with that fear of not being good enough, which means that when I can't do something perfectly immediately, then I just want to quit. I've had to constantly remind myself that people train for years and that I'm not going to be amazing after a few months. So I've forced myself to keep going, and I started to improve and pick up the footwork. Then my teacher decided to add in our movements. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so again, um, I had to balance, battle inside myself of just wanting to just give up and quit, but I'm determined to not allow my fear to stop me from doing something that I love. And if we allow comparison and fear to stop us because we are too scared we won't do something as well as someone else, then we stop ourselves from being able to inspire others. Um, Some of you may know that I work in a school, um, mainly in the nursery class, and I can say to the children in class, like, wow, you are so good at reading, dancing, painting. And their response, 99% of the time, is just two words. I know. Like, when do we lose that confidence? Imagine what we could achieve if we believed in ourselves as much as other people or God believed in us. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, it says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. 
While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. If you were here last week, Mike said it, that we need to change our view of what a great work is. The body of Christ is made up of lots of different parts, and not one is more important than the others. So how do you discover what your great work is? When I was looking back through some of my notes from um, talks that I've listened to, I came across these four questions, so I just wanted to share them with you. So question one, what is your biggest complaint? Do you dislike the taste of the coffee we serve or the offer of snacks that we have? So could you give some time on a Sunday to join the welcome team and get better coffee? (laughs) Um, Question two, what's your greatest dream? Are you passionate about children and young people learning about God? So could you give up just one Sunday a month and join the the kids' teams? Question three, what's your strongest gift? Are you great at listening, supporting, and praying for others? Could you maybe join our pastoral team and be there if someone needs to talk? And question four, what's your deepest joy? Do you love spreading Jesus' love to others? Could you give up some time in the school holidays to feed children and form relationships with other people in our community? Ask yourself those four questions and then pray. Pray and ask God to show you what he wants you to do. We started our women's event a year and a half ago and we are going to be doing our third natural event this year. The overall theme that we felt God really spoke over it was be who God calls you to be. So let's, as a church, encourage each other to be who God has called us to be. So if you recognise a gift in somebody or a talent, then tell them. It might be something that they haven't recognised themselves, or it might be something they are wanting to pursue but are lacking confidence in it. Let's not be stingy with our compliments. There's no limit on how many nice things you can say, so let's support each other. Just over 30 are... Hang on. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Is a board of all the different teams in church and who is leading them. I'd really encourage you to go and have a look at them. And even if you don't feel like you can join one of the teams, you could commit to praying for the work going on here and the leaders that are leading them. Speak to the leaders, see if there's anything specific that they need prayer for or help with, and then be open to what God wants you to do and has planned for your life. Be obedient and brave and say yes. And trust that where God leads you, he will not leave you. There's a... um, Seen in Aladdin. So another thing about me is I really love Disney. <laughs> Just so I have picked this, but um, a few of you will probably be aware um, of this scene, and it's where Princess Jasmine has put on a disguise and gone, leave, left the palace, which was not allowed. She meets Aladdin in the marketplace, and they steal some bread. Oh, spoiler, spoilers alert if you haven't seen it, but. Um, As the guards are chasing them, Aladdin um, holds out his hand and says to Jasmine, do you trust me? And then later on in the film, Aladdin's transformed into Prince Ali and is trying to make Princess Jasmine fall in love with him. Interestingly enough, she does not recognise that he's the same guy she met like two days earlier, even though essentially he's only wearing different clothes. 
But when he reaches out his hand and says, do you trust me? She recognizes him by his voice. So are we recognizing God's voice and noticing when he is nudging us? And are we trusting him even when we are fearful? God places the best things in life on the other side of your maximum fear or comfort zone. So let's be part of his plan. I just want to pray to finish and I'm going to pass back over to Lauren. So God, thank you that um, you never leave us. Thank you that you made each of us uniquely and individual. I thank you that you know our strengths better than we do. And I thank you that you constantly push us and love us and stay with us and lead us. I just pray that you open our eyes and um, help us to notice when you are nudging us, to help us recognize your voice and recognize your plan for our life. Pray this in all your name, in your name, amen.